Hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope with Troy Peverall. This show is designed to offer hope for you and your family as you navigate through the struggles of life. We believe that this hope that comes from Jesus can lead you to live a life of victory in Him. I'm Chris Sasser, and today I get to lead us through a conversation about hope. We are glad you're here. Well, hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope this week. I'm Chris Sasser, along with my friend Troy Peverall, and today we have a very special guest. It is our friend Courtney Everett, and you're going to learn a lot from Courtney. And so, um, Troy, before we kind of jump into a conversation with Courtney, I know for a couple of weeks we talked about sort of retreating and getting away, and you were able to do that last week. So talk a little bit about sort of how that was for you and uh, maybe hopefully how it refreshed your soul. It was very good. I had intentions about what it was going to look like, and it did not end up like that, um, but I also learned an important reminder that it's important that I go or that we go where God goes. And so we had a couple experiences where uh, there was a peace that I had, not not following my plan, but just knowing that these little interruptions, I think, were divine moments. And it was interesting. One of them I was thinking about today uh, was just fantastic. With uh, We were riding down a long bike path uh, my wife and I, and we, we saw in the distance, and my wife kind of laughed at me. She goes, what is that? I said, I think it's a deer. And um, it was not. <laughs> it was a mother with her little child te- <laughs> teaching her. I don't know how, yeah, but remember, it was far, far, far away. So the mother was teaching her little girl how to ride a bike. And I just felt my my face was just beaming. I think part of that is just uh, no longer from the dad perspective, but just memories as well as just being a granddad and uh, this little girl, as we were riding and she was coming toward us, she had um, her mask on and she was, you could just see her eyes and she looked up at me and, and I said, you're doing so well. And as she passed, I could hear her mother say, see, see, mm-hmm. see. And I was just thinking about, wow, we're getting ready to talk about children. And to me, that was just like so, so important of a reminder yeah. To be an encourager. To yeah, see, look at you mm-hmm. being a voice of hope while mm-hmm. you're on your solitude <laughs> away time. Right. Way to go, Troy. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Courtney, it. thank you for being here and being a part of it. So let's uh, let's tell everybody a little bit about who you are, your family, and then we'll jump into what's probably going to be uh, some heavy stuff and a uh, sure. tough conversation, but it's okay. We need to go there. So tell everybody about you. Well, like you said, my name's Courtney. Um, I have two daughters who are 14 and 16. I also, of course, married, um, and both my husband and I are in vocational ministry. We work at the church. Um, my husband's a college pastor. I work in student ministries. My technical um, title is the uh. student ministry community and care coordinator. I think I have the longest title <laughs> on staff. Um, you care for people and pastor them. Okay, yes, we're done. Yes, that's what that <laughs> yes, means, okay. basically, yes. for leaders and students. Yes. So, um, you know, it keeps us really busy. We have a very full life, for sure. It's a very fun life, and it's about to get a little bit bu- busier. Um, we have our third child on the way. Nothing like having a unexpected <laughs> gift in your life. Um, yeah, so we're going to have a baby boy coming in October. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be 16, 14, and newborn. And, yep, yeah, and zero. <laughs> 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 yep. 
We're all excited. Yes, yeah. we are super excited about that. You're gonna, you guys, you and Clay are going to be just great little boy m- mom and dad. I know that. It's That's so cool, funny. Sure. I just didn't know it could happen, but here we are. There we go. <laughs> Having a boy. That's a whole other podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So good. Oh, goodness. Anyway, hey, so so one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you is just because you know you're in the midst of sort of teenage life and culture, which obviously a lot of people who are listening. Um, are in the middle of, and, and maybe you're not a parent who has teenagers, but you know, teenage culture and all that's sort of prevalent in mm-hmm. in culture in general. Or maybe you're a grandparent. It's just uh, it's an important part of life. And so, if you had to describe kind of teenage life today, how would you describe it? Well, I think in some ways, it is the same as it has always been. So the experiences that you had as a teenager are some of the same experiences that students are having in the midst of adolescence. I think we discount the commonality that we all have because there also are big differences. But adolescence, when I think about it, it's this space, well, it at least it should be this space that we hold in our lives and in culture where someone is developing and they're changing quickly and they are going back and forth a lot. They're figuring out who, who they are. So there's a lot of give and take in, in teenage culture. One day you'll get this from a teenager. The next day you get this. Um, so, you know, even in brain development, especially for middle schoolers, um, you see similarities to that of which they're when they're two and three years old. So um, the brain is developing quickly. So you see that play out in culture in... I wouldn't say that teenagers are flippant. It's not that they're flippant. It's that they are figuring out who they are and they have to have a safe space to wrestle that out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think you see that in teenage culture, um, in, you know, decisions that are made, um, things that you're like, I I can't believe that a kid did this, and then, oh, and then they did that. So there's always this kind of tension that is held in teenage culture. Obviously, I think a huge difference, probably from at least our experience as teenagers, um, is technology, social media, just in general access to information. Um, Lots of access, not always lots of tools to process. So I feel like you see that as well in teenage culture. And also, I feel like teenagers are called to to grow up a lot faster. maybe without the tools and resources internally to navigate that. Um, Teenage culture is messy. Um, It is so fun to be a part of, I love it. Um, You know, it's one of my favorite things to just see how kids develop in the midst of their teenage years. One of the things that Troy and I just spent a couple of weeks talking about is sort of just the noise that you kind of just referenced. Mm-hmm. And we just said everything that kind of is hitting all of us in mm-hmm. culture is noise. Yeah. It's the, the noise of your schedule and busyness Absolutely. and all that stuff. And, and how do we navigate all of that effectively? But what you're saying is like teenagers have to navigate that and they don't know how. <laughs> yes. They, they don't always have the resources for that. Yeah. Um, one other thing I think to note is probably something that is a little different to you now is there is a lot of pressure academically and performance-driven pressure, which also mm. is something I think that we've all experienced growing up. Um, but you hear that story a lot in teenagers. When I sit with a teenager, that's what I hear. A lot of pressure, just this pressure-packed, weighty existence because a lot of times it's 
performance in school or performance at a job or performance on a field, but that is a huge additional layer, I would Mm -hmm. say, I see. Yeah, when again, it's pressure that is there. Like for those of us who are adults, we ought to be able to navigate that pressure in in some sort of a healthy way, you would Mm -hmm. hope. But for a 12-year-old... Right. Who's never felt that pressure before, who has no way to process mm. how to kind of go through that pressure. That's incredibly hard yeah. in a lot of different ways. So, yeah. So, okay. So, so pressure and kind of the technology, those are kind of a couple of things that you've mentioned that are kind of, you know, I, I would say challenges for teenagers, but anything else that you can think of there kind of maybe specific, unique challenges for teenagers today? I mean... There's a lot of questions that teenagers have to answer a lot earlier, I would say. A lot of decisions they have to make about who they are, about who they want to be, um, which, of course, adds to the pressure. But um, I do feel like teenage culture, it is, it's very normal to ask questions about, I mean, even your sexuality. Like, there's so many questions that you're just asked that are just normal to be asked as a teenager that were not normal to be asked as a teenager while we were growing up. You had mentioned something <clears throat> the last episode, I believe, talking about, I think here at the church, your pastor talks about expression, mm-hmm. formation. Yeah, encounter, formation, and expression. Right, there you go. So, And it was one of them, he said, the gap has closed a lot closer where you, the timing is not mm-hmm. as available. Yeah. yeah, so that's encounter. Basically, we all encounter different things in life. And the things that we encounter form us over time. And then based on how we are formed, we have the opportunity to express. Well, basically, <clears throat> the the interval for formation mm-hmm. has closed. Mm-hmm. Because, and especially in it, the social media yes. teenage world, they encounter something right. and instantly they are compelled in some ways to mm-hmm. express it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe through their social media mm-hmm. or just their condition to express it without mm-hmm. being formed. Right. in kind of a good way without being able to process their thoughts, process what's happened to them. And so kind of this formation interval has shrunk. Yeah. Right. And what do you think it is? I mean, there's several factors that's kind of driving them to give that information. Is it, is it for acceptance sake? I mean, what are they looking for that's driving them towards uh, that I guess, tension that's there. Well, I'll let Courtney answer that for teenagers, but I don't think it's just them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you see this for, you know, adults on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> During right. the political season, yeah. you know, you encounter something, you hear a candidate say this, you see this you know, thing happen in the world, mm-hmm. and you're instantly sort of, for some reason, compelled to respond to it mm-hmm. and right. to sort of put your two cents in through what you say or comment or whatever. So I don't think it's unique to teenagers yeah, that this right. sort of formation interval has gone away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, Courtney, I don't know if you'd kind of add anything for teenagers as to why they feel compelled to do that. Well, I think it is a season of life where you are, you, your identity is being formed. So I think that perhaps is a, a piece of that compelling um, force behind feeling like you have to instantly express who you are perhaps in order to belong is what I would say. Um, so, you know, they're looking for belonging. We're all looking for belonging. That is right. an intrinsic human mm-hmm. um, desire. So that's not, you know, exclusive to teenagers for sure. But I do think the awareness of that belonging becomes um, maybe self-motivated in mm-hmm. teenage years, which is different from, you know, when they are in elementary school. Um, that 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 sh- the, sh- the shape that that takes looks different. Yeah. Where once they're in middle school and high school, they're looking to their peers to help define that more. Yeah. 
Um, so I do think part of that pure belonging is, is a, probably a part of that force, that undercurrent. That's in there, right. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the part that seems to be so different than what it was like when I was growing up as mm-hmm. a kid. And even watching my kids grow into their adolescent years, mm-hmm. I don't think it was the same in the sense of that pressure with, I think, technology primarily sure. and just social media. And yeah, it's the connectivity. Yeah. Um, because when you have access to something and someone at all times and don't have any margin apart from that, mm-hmm. I think that is a huge driver. So, I mean, it's the same for adults. I haven't engaged on Instagram since Christmas, which is a random fact about me. But just because I thought the level of connectivity wasn't allowing margin in my life to be formed. You know, all the constant information, I wasn't spending enough time actually processing what I was feeling about things. Um, so, you know, I think that that happens to us as adults. That is exactly why I shared that. But yeah. I do think for teenagers, just that constant connectivity is definitely um, a force as well because they can't get out from under it. So you see this, I mean, working with youth here at the church. Yeah. I mean, you do you see, like, stories where that specific issue has really you know, affected to, to all the way to, in a sense, wrecked some part of their life or their family life? So I would, I would, I mean, honestly, I have so many parents that say, I hate my kid's phone. Okay. <laughs> Just honestly, like that is the source of conflict in their life. And I mean, and a phone and connectivity in and of itself is not evil or bad. I think it's when a student is given freedom without maybe the proper means to process or how to navigate it, um, that it causes conflict. I mean, you know, we've seen it on our own kids' phones probably. You know, they they send something that it is unintentionally seems hurtful. You know, you, you don't understand tone through text messages, and that is a primary mode of communication for teenagers. Yeah. You know, they're not talking on the phone all the time. They are texting one another. They're Whatever. snapping one another. You know, they are, you know, I don't know, making TikTok videos or Instagram. So the, the means of communication is different now. And so um, knowing how to navigate that medium is difficult because as parents, oftentimes we don't know how to navigate that medium because that's not the world we live in. But that is their, that's their first line. Whereas for us, yes, we engage in it. Like, yes, I have those things, but they're not, they're not my primary. I would much rather sit face to face and have a conversation with someone. That's good. I think part of what, the way we've said it before, and I've heard it said, I know we've talked to leaders about before is they are digital natives. Yes. And we as kind of older adults are digital immigrants. Yes. And, and so it's just a different world that they yes. live in. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and uh, keep talking to Courtney Everett just about teenage culture and what's going on in the lives of teenagers. So you're listening to A Voice of Hope. Don't you just love the word renew? It offers a chance to take a look back while holding new possibilities in hand. It's a word that offers healing, but without the bonds of despair, and it seems to point us in a new direction while giving promise to move forward. This is Kim Peverall with A Voice of Hope. This ministry has been created to bring encouragement in a relevant, easy conversation. Through insights offered from Troy, Chris, and their guest, it's our desire that you'll become a voice of hope in your walks through life and into your community. 
Let's change the narrative of the last year and make a plan to choose positive perspective and embrace hope. Practice peace and fight your tendency to become anxious. Instead, pray. Pay attention to new ways to encourage others. Simple steps like these will affect change in your own life and spill over into your community. We invite you to find more resources for hopeful living at agape-counseling.org and equipandencourage.com. Hey, thanks for listening. We are honored to share this journey together. Well, hello, and welcome back to A Voice of Hope with Troy Peverell and Chris Sasser. We're here with our friend Courtney Everett, and we are having a conversation just around teenage culture and uh, kind of what's going on in the lives of, of teenagers and even kids, because this trickles all the way down to kids that are younger. And really what we're kind of aiming towards is a conversation uh, about kind of teenage uh, or even just adolescent anxiety and depression, because we certainly hear about that a lot in our world. So Courtney, when it comes to kind of this conversation around anxiety and teenagers, like when it comes to, to being a Christian leader and, and knowing what you know about all this, how does it just make you feel when it comes to these struggles? Well, honestly, it is pervasive. Um, anxiety, depression, it is, I mean, among the most consistent conversations I have with teenagers. Um, and so... That is, it's not discouraging, it's disheartening, it is burdening, it is, um, it's driving for me um, to really be able to speak into teenagers and give them hope in the midst of their struggle, realizing that I cannot rescue them from it. (laughs) Um, And I'm saying that with, you know, several years of experience, both personally with my own children um, and in ministry, that, oh gosh, I want to rescue them. I w- if, if I could just rescue them out of their struggle, I would. Um, but what I have learned is that as Christian leaders, as parents, as adults in the life of students, um, gosh, we have to have vision of hope for them that they can remain even in the midst of the struggle. Um, that rescuing them ultimately wouldn't be for their good as much as sometimes I want that to be my answer to a teenager. Yes, just do this and it would fix all of your problems, all of this anxiety, all of this heaviness and weightiness um, would go away. We don't see that um, in scripture. We don't see that in in the way God navigates, um, the way Jesus navigates um, conflict and hardship um, with his people. He enters into it. Um, he remains close. He gives hope. And as a Christian leader, that is what I want to do. I want to give hope. I want to encourage parents to remain in the midst of the struggle um, and to actually trust that the Spirit of God is faithfully going to move in the life of kids. I think that is something that I've had to learn as a leader to have open hands with the kids that I counsel, um, with the kids and leaders who are processing deep levels of anxiety and depression with students, um, to lead them in such a way that they have open hands with it. Because it is hard when you are proximate to someone who is hurting. And so for me, that's my hope, that's my vision, that's my aim as I work with teenagers. Uh, and that's like so compelling. I mean, that, that's kind of the, the hope and the vision, the aim that I hope a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially people that work with teenagers and parents would have. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, Troy, I, I would ask you the same question. So, so like for you as a Christian leader, and obviously in what you do right. with your counseling, like well, how does it make you feel when you know you have, I'm sure, student or family or parent after parent come through your doors at Agape, you know, <clears throat> dealing with these same issues? Like for, for you guys, how does it make you feel? Um, I mean, personally, when I see it, um, I feel sad for the kid mm-hmm. um, or the child, the adolescent. Um, because I know sometimes it's a mix. It's either one or the other or maybe a mixture of both that they're really struggling with perhaps uh, uh, an anxiety disorder that's, um, you know, already they're genetically inclined mm-hmm. to. But then sometimes I think it, and more often I think it's actually anxiety that's environmental. Mm-hmm. And so to me I think both have hope. Mm-hmm. I think the hope for the person who is truly struggling with a disorder that's uh, you know, that they are inclined towards just from being uh, who they are and is going to go more towards, you know, helping them manage that and letting the hope be within that management. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the, the part of those kids that actually struggle with the anxiety, that is something environmentally encouraging it. I think that the hope lies in identifying that, helping them see that there are, there are things that can can be dealt with with anxiety and depression. That's uh, why it is, you know, considered to be the number one mental health disorder that actually can be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of hope there, but I think when you're in it as a child or adolescent and when you're watching from a parent's perspective, um, it's frightening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know this is probably an impossible question for either one of you to answer, but I'm just, in hearing you talk, Troy, it's coming to mind. Um, <clears throat> If you had to put a percentage on how many kids today, it is kind of a, um, <clears throat> it's a part of the way that they've been created. And, and how did you say, uh, it's not environmental, but it's... Well, they're, I mean, I hate to use the words, they're born with it, but, born, but yeah, I sure. do think that Absolutely. sometimes that actually is the case. Sure, yeah. And, yeah. and so, so what do you think is the percentage of, of kids who are kind of going through this today, who who they really were born with it, versus the percentage where it is environmental. And it's really the culture that, that we as adults have created yes. around these kids that forces them into this mm-hmm. anxiety. Is there any way to sort of quantify that? You know, I think there's research that obviously would address that. And they, the, from what, when I look at research, a lot of times it's all over the place. Um, but my quantitative, uh, you know, observation is that I would put the percentage of kids uh, that deal with depression and anxiety that's truly coming from a disorder that they are, you know, bent towards from from just birth. I would probably say ten percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I think ninety percent of what I see inside the counseling is coming from many issues that um, are environmental, mm-hmm. and that's the hope. That, to me, though, that's hopeful for both sides. But the hope is trying to identify which one mm-hmm. or perhaps the mix of both. Mm-hmm. And because they can both be incredibly disrupt- disruptive to normal life. I think sometimes um, we view maybe a genetic component as more weighty. Um, and if it's environmental as, oh, no, your anxiety is, it's not, it's not that deep. It's not that significant. It's not that weighty. Like, just pray about it. And I've seen more damage done by that tone in an adult with a child than taking them seriously and and hearing their stories. Um, 
because both can be incredibly disruptive. Obviously, the the way that you navigate from from the anxiety is or depression is different. Yeah. But um, I think sometimes a kid thinks I should I should just be able to deal with this, and they right. can't. Um, or a parent may think who ha- doesn't have an anxious bone in their body, which I cannot understand because as an adult, I have an anxious body in my bone. Sure. I, I mean, bone in my body. <laughs> <laughs> we gotcha. um, so anyways, all that to say is when you can't relate, sometimes the natural instinct is to say, oh, sweetie, it's not that big a deal. Like just just get over it, you know. And oh, and if I'm honest, that has been me. I, I, right. We've had this conversation. Yes, we before. have. And, and I've, been on the, I've been on this journey with, with one of our kids. And it's so funny. I had a friend of mine call me uh, a week or two ago, and they're uh, going, going in, back into public school teaching. They've been in private school, and part of their um, training has been to watch a lot of things on mental health and anxiety and depression. And his question to me was, hey, like, is this real? Yeah. Like, do I, do I like, how, how big of a deal is this? And it was like, I was teaching myself and saying, oh, no, it's very real. Mm-hmm. And as adults, we have to sort of take this seriously and not do what you were describing that I've been guilty of doing. And I know a lot of parents are saying, oh, honey, just it's not that bad. Right. You know, it's interesting. And that's just not true. It, so much of like listening to kids go go through this from a professional standpoint or somebody who's a helper in some environment, you know, it's you can you're outside looking in. But when you're a parent, because I could look at this, some of my kids mm-hmm. as well, like when you're in it, it's inside looking out. It's like you feel like you can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's th- this need for having eyes on what is the truth here. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think having other people speak into your life to help you see that, number one, the feeling that you're having is legit in the sense of it's feeling. Mm-hmm. But number two, here's, here's let's look a little deeper and let's go there. Parents don't want to do that sometimes. Yeah, that's so true. Guilty as charged. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up today. And I know really what we've done is we sort of, we've popped the top on this conversation <laughs> really is what we've done. Um, but but I'm hoping for those of you who are listening that that at least you, if, if you don't understand kind of how deep this is, not just in teenage culture, but in our culture, that maybe it's a little bit of a light bulb for you of recognizing people around you who really are, um, whether you know they were born with it or whether it's kind of environmental, they're really struggling with anxiety uh, and depression. And, and what we as believers have to do is have to figure out how to help them. So we'll talk more about it next week uh, and give you some solutions, we hope. Thanks for listening to A Voice of Hope. <laughs>